My name's Jo Wise, and this is Wise Women, the podcast. In my book, I Am A Woman, I quote a Native American proverb which states that the world will know a thousand years of peace when women have healed their hearts. I believe that one way for women to heal their hearts is to share their stories. Just like in ancient times, when our female ancestors would gather at the full and new moons in tune with their cycles to cleanse their experiences together. On this podcast, I'll be asking women from all walks of life to share their stories. Not only to give a voice to the wisdom they discovered during some of their greatest life challenges, but also to remind you of your deepest wisdom too. This is Wise Women. Sharing stories, sharing wisdom. Alice Revel is a complementary health practitioner from Bristol, whose parents separated when she was little. An emotional upset that caused Alice for most of her childhood and adolescent years to yearn for a deeply happy lifelong marriage of her own when she met the right man. However, after meeting, marrying, moving to Australia from the UK and having three children with her husband, it sadly wasn't to be. In this podcast, she tells us the whole story, how they met, how they had their children, how amazing it was to live in Oz, but also how and why it didn't work out how she told the children, and how she grieved for the loss of her dream. And of course, she also talks about the wisdom she's gleaned from her experiences to share with other women. Alice's episode is called The Divorce. Hello, Jo. Great to speak to you. So many of the women I've spoken to so far for this podcast have their roots in the UK. Your roots are all over the place, aren't they? They are, actually. I always describe when people ask where I'm from, I sort of say it's a paint splat um <laughs> so i'm sort of from all, all over i was born in um hampshire and then as a small child moved to um reading in berkshire and then at the age of 11 lived in the midlands for a while and then went down to bristol for university and then moved between london and bristol a few times i spent a year in france um as part of my degree and then post degree i went and spent a year in japan and then came back to Bristol, um, ended up working in London, then over to Sydney where I was for 15 years and then, um, yeah, and then back to Bristol almost three years ago now. Oh my goodness. So, so where do you call home? Bristol. <laughs> no, that's, that's interesting because you're, I always comment on your accent sounding quite Australian. I would have mm. thought you, you would call yourself a, an Aussie. Yeah, well, I'm, What's the word? I'm I'm dual nationality, so I, I have an Australian passport. Um, my children would probably consider themselves Australian first because they were born and raised in Australia. But for me, it, it's interesting. I spent the whole of my childhood, you know, I remember sitting in the playground at school at break time watching the aeroplanes go overhead because I was in Reading, which is near Heathrow, obviously, uh, watching the aeroplanes go overhead. And I always wanted to be on an aeroplane going somewhere. <laughs> and And it took me it took me to actually go and live on the other side of the world to realise that my home is actually here. Wow. Now, this link to Australia that we've already uncovered uh, Mm -hmm. in the first bit of our chat, Alice, is quite significant because your story today is going to be about going through divorce. And the reason you ended up in Australia was because your husband was Australian. You fell in love with him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. So we I was living in London. It was my first uh, proper graduate job. And um, 
I've met an Australian working on this on this big IT project. It was interesting actually because a friend, I had a great friend on this project. We'd been, I've been working there for a few months, and um, and he kept saying to me, "Oh, you have to meet this guy." And he wasn't trying to hook us up. He was just he was really good friends with me, and he was also really good friends with the man who was going to become my husband. And he sort of kept saying, apparently, to each of us, "Oh, you really need to meet this other person because I think you'll really get on." Um, and anyway, we, we did meet um, and, we you know, we were friendly and friends um, and we did get on. And, um, yeah, things sort of went from there. <laughs> well, but it's one thing falling in love, isn't it? It's another thing moving to the other side of the world with somebody. So this must have been quite serious quite quickly. Is that the case? Well, it's interesting, actually, because I'd had sort of a, a few relationships previous to, to that one. And this was the first time that I'd actually been prepared to change my life path for the person that I met because previously I, I, I was with a guy and then I was going over to France and I just said, you know, I'm going to France, so goodbye. Whereas this was the first time where I actually had a plan, which was I was living, working in London. I'd come back from living in Japan. My next, my next plan was to go and live in Spain or Italy and learn Italian or Spanish and stay there for a few years. But I, I met this Australian man. And so, um, yeah, that's the first time my, my direction actually shifted because I was w- wanting to go back overseas again. And, and he was he was keen to go home. So uh, we, we went off to Australia together. But what part of Australia did you live in? And tell me a little bit about your life out there. What, how did your life um, look while you were living in Australia with him? So we moved over to Sydney. He's, he's from Sydney. Beautiful city. I mean, you know, absolutely breathtaking, both um, natural beauty and obviously, you know, the opera house and the harbour. Uh, we had a lovely big Australian house on you know it was a quarter of an acre in in the bush so it was about uh, 25 kilometers north northwest of um, Sydney city centre but just you know just absolutely beautiful weather was great you know we'd get snakes in our back garden we had (laughs) amazing lizards beautiful beautiful birds just all these you know incredible things well we'd get wallabies in the back garden sometimes you know just really just a really beautiful beautiful place to live. And did you have moments when you were out there and you were married and you were thinking, this is it, this is, you know, I've found uh, the one and this is my life now forever. Did you have, did you have those moments or did it always feel a little bit tentative? Um, so when we moved to Australia, I, I agreed to go for three to five years and that was definitely w- w- what felt right at the time. I had no doubt at that time that my absolute desire and intention was to spend the rest of my life with this man. Although, I mean, he's dual nationality as well. So we, we, you know, we discussed that, you know, we could move backwards and forwards between the two. So I didn't really feel that my, my, my sole home was on the other side of the world in Australia. And I did, you know, have strong family connections here. Um, but obviously he had strong family connections there. So for me, the, the being in Australia was one thing which I was happy to do, but didn't feel it was... I don't think I ever really felt it might be forever. And in fact, I remember being pregnant with my, my eldest um, child and, and crying because he was going to be born Australian. And I remember feeling all these things I missed about England and thinking he won't have that connection to my land that I have because mm. he's he's not going to be born there. Like his country is going to be Australia. And that to me was felt like a real disconnection. Well, that was my next question, actually, about the children is, you know, when your babies arrived. So mm. you're a mum of three, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Talk me through their arrivals. So at the age of 21, I actually had a termination. So I fell pregnant 
obviously by mistake with a with a boyfriend um, at university and um, I come from a broken family myself my parents divorced when I was four and I was always desperate to recreate the family unit I guess which I'd lost um, as a small child but I had very strong rules around that and one one of them which you know I was obviously instrumental in my decision at the age of 21 was that I didn't want to have a child with someone unless I believed that I was going to spend the rest of my life with them because mm. I had this driving you know desire to be successful in my family life and for me at that time that you know the criteria for success was going to be a long a long happy marriage which lasts a lifetime mm. um, so there was a child that I didn't have at 21 and it you know it does obviously you know heartbreak involved with that and basically after that I was then just desperate to to find the man who'd be the father of my children and and settle down and, and have have babies so it wasn't till I was 25 that I, I met my husband and then we were together in London we were working then we were moving to Australia and it always seemed that there was a reason why we couldn't sort of start to have children now and I think then we were buying a house and then we bought a house and then the house needed renovating and then at that point I think I sort of put my foot down and I just said there's never going to be a right time <laughs> actually now is the right time <laughs> um so we, we we tried and um funnily enough didn't fall pregnant so ended up going to have IVF so we have three beautiful IVF babies um that in itself you know I guess a whole other story of stress and strain of um you know going through that process but anyway was incredibly lucky um baby number one came first time beautiful healthy boy and yes that was the thing when I was pregnant and away from home again it was that thing where you know I just I felt so alone in in so many ways being on the other side of the world without the family support that mm. I really felt I needed at at that time um, my mum was fantastic she flew over to help you know when when I had each of my children and and that was fascinating in a way because that really really shifted my relationship with my mother where we hadn't been very close for quite a long time but the fact that she was just such a beautiful support then when I was mothering and she said the most beautiful thing to me one day I was thanking her I think it was when I had my third my third one and she came over and actually stayed in Australia for eight months so she took wow. unpaid leave from work and came and lived in our house and I and I said to her I said you know thank you so much you know for coming and, and for helping out I said you know for helping out with with the kids and she said to me, she said, um, she said, I, I know, she said, that your children are going to be absolutely fine, she said, because you're looking after them. She said, my concern is who's looking after you. Mm. And I just thought, so beautiful. And to feel that cherished was, was yeah, really, really precious, really oh, wow. precious. And like you mm. say, taking eight months out of her life to, to come over as well is, is no mean yeah. feat, is it? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I was, it was, a, it was a huge thing. And I was, and I was so grateful because I was actually terrified about, you know, having three small children. But I felt effectively by myself because, you know, my husband was out, you know, between 10 and 12 hours a day at work. And, you know, we did live somewhere very beautiful, but we didn't have a huge amount of social support. So I did feel very much that things were sort of on me a lot. Well, I think that might be starting to lead on to the next part of the story which is when you started to realize that things weren't right and when you started to think do you know what uh, my life's now going off on another path when did that start to happen um i think it was probably 
after um, child number three arrived because until then I'd been I just had this sort of driving urge as I said to to recreate the family unit and um, once I'd had all my children or the you know the ones that I intended to have I'd sort of achieved my life goal and then I was like but what now <laughs> well what do I do now and 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 I went through this you know whole uh, monumental shift actually of why am I here you know and what is my purpose because Previously, my purpose had been, you know, find an amazing man, settle down, create, create the family. And whilst I was going to be continuing with my, you know, my mothering journey, which, you know, I'm incredibly grateful for, I was like, yeah, but, but what else? What else is there? And I think that that search for meaning, which was actually my personal meaning, was the thing which then sent me on this on this journey of seeking. Mm. And that brings me on to my next question actually because I was going to ask about obviously you are having these realizations yourself and Mm. I'm sure in your relationship uh, your husband would have been picking up on that even if it wasn't talked Mm. about explicitly do you you remember the conversation you had with him where you said actually this isn't working and you know we have to rethink our lives was there Um, a definitive conversation or was it just lots of conversations no so I mean there was sort of I've there was growing friction I think and um it it was one thing so the realizations were one thing but it was just this tiny little drip feed of little things here and there and then I guess the friction increased because primarily it was me that was changing and I think possibly for him it was destabilizing because he had he had been you know secure in, in what was there and he was committed to what was there but then I was this shifting quicksand you know I was shifting changing and I think that that was actually very destabilizing for the relationship as a whole Um, and there wasn't there wasn't like a a big thing that happened it was just all this incremental changes and and slowly you know stresses grew we did end up going to marriage counseling actually because I was so so adamant that you know that I really wanted to be successful in my marriage And, and that was huge for me because Coming from um, a, a broken, you know, a broken marriage myself as a child, that that was one of my biggest, you know, hopes, aspirations and life goals was that I would have a long, successful, happy marriage. So, you know, and, and I, I remember at our wedding, you know, we each made a speech and, and my speech was, you know, that it's all very well to have the big party on the day. But a, a marriage is actually about lear- learning to sort of continue loving each other as you learn and grow together mm. through life. And and I really sort of held true to that. So we, we did go to marriage counselling and I think that made a big difference probably for about six months, but then everything slipped back pretty much to where it was. And then it was just, yeah, hoping, I think. We had all sorts of other stuff going on in our lives, you know, at that time. You know, And this is the one thing that people look at, you know, that nothing in life is isolated, is it? You no. know, it, 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 it isn't as though you get to say, OK, here's this one compartment of my life. Say, for example, you know, my marriage isn't happy. Now I get to drop everything else and focus on fixing my marriage. There's all the other stuff still going on around it. So the demands on us as individuals are constant. You know, there's the work struggle. There's, you know, financial stuff going on. There are children, things happening. And then there's the relationship. And, you know, and I, I feel strongly for us that one of the things that, 
really wasn't helpful was that you know we we raised those three children pretty pretty much ourselves you know we we didn't have any family in in Sydney um my closest family was actually in New Zealand which was you know three and a half hours flight flight away um my husband's closest family were four hours drive away so it, it was just us and actually you know we when we went to the marriage counseling the lady said to us she said you know your marriage is a garden and you need to tend it and you know when you start off a relationship you spend all your time you know spending time with each other nurturing each other learning growing and that's sort of creating your garden she said but over the years as you disregard it the weeds start to grow and she said you need to be putting in this effort into you know tending your garden and I think that with you know the demands of just life and and three children was that we did stop tending the garden Mm. somehow and that's we sort of lost sight of each other there's going to be so many women Alice and me included in uh, this that are going to relate to your story and just you know the sadness around a loss of a dream really when it comes to Mm. marriage because we all have this this dream don't we like you've outlined already that you know we're gonna create long marriages perhaps like our parents didn't and it was such a big desire of yours because you came from a broken home so how difficult was it and how did you tell your children what was happening so we'd we'd been trying you know probably for about three three years and things hadn't worked out um it just did what we just now now with the benefit of hindsight I can look back and just say you know what neither of us at that time had the skills that we needed to navigate the challenge that we had yeah and I'm okay with that because we can only ever be as good as we can be at that moment in time. It's something I, I regret that I didn't have the skills and also that I didn't have the ability to acquire the skills in time, <laughs> you know, to to give us a, a different outcome. But um, basically, you know, it got to the point where we were just, there was so much friction in the house. And um, it, it, to me, it was it was untenable. And then my my focus was shifting and I was thinking, you know, that this actually just isn't good for the children to be living in an environment, you know, that's to me felt very, you know, fractious. And what basically happened was, was I, I didn't have the, um, I basically didn't, I wasn't brave enough to actually say, you know what, this is, this is over because I was terrified of what, what else was going to be. And, you know, I've, I've, I cherished my family and my, and my marriage as as two separate things and if I lost my marriage then also I was going to lose my family which was huge obviously I wouldn't lose my children and that would then create you know two families but I was going to be losing my family you know and this this man this really really good decent kind man that you know I'd shared 18 years with would be lost to me and he was the family I chose you Mm. know from all of all of the people I'd met you know between whatever it is 17 and 25 he was the family I chose and he chose me and to lose that was uh, enormous and it wasn't actually a decision I could make and it, it wasn't actually a decision I did sort of make in the end so what happened was was I I had been going through my journey of self-discovery we'd, we'd moved back to England um, we were still struggling in in our relationship and um, I went off to a conference and I spent that weekend and it seemed to me that every speaker that came onto the stage was sort of telling me a specific story about me something I needed to learn about me and and I walked away from that weekend and I just thought you know what I can't I don't know what to do but I need to speak what is in my heart and previously I hadn't had the 
bravery or courage to to do that but I I basically found the words to how to express to my husband that I loved him really really dearly but that I felt that I loved him now more as a brother as opposed to a partner or husband and um and that you know my suggestion was that we we stay together because we got you know three beautiful healthy children and that we were still very good friends and that we could stay friends but sort of in this sort of partnership and then at some point when the children were older uh, we could go separate ways and and he he basically came back to me and just said well look if you're not going to be my wife then we're not we're not staying together mm. um so he actually had the courage to say something which i was far too terrified to even really contemplate so at that point we yeah we sort of i guess that's when it really started ripping ripping apart it wasn't you know and it, it's never to, to me through through my, my journey it hasn't ever been that there's been one single thing one single thing that happens at any point it's just sort of a whole series of different events so for me you know it was moving into a separate bedroom you know we had to reshuffle the kids um so two of them started sharing uh, I moved into a separate bedroom and then we sort of stayed living together for another four or five months and then by then the stress in the house was so great that I, and I just thought you know one of us needs to leave and um that ended up being me. So I went and sort of rented a house down the road and we started sort of working through that journey. But I think once we once we got into separate bedrooms, we sort of sat down with the children and said, we're, we're basically separating and um, we will at some point get divorced. Um, so, yeah. And hearing you talk about the story now, Alice, you seem to have processed so much and it seems to make sense for you now. Is, is that the case? Am I sensing that correctly? Mm. It, it does make sense. And it's it's interesting because when I was <clears throat> younger, I I think I was incredibly hard on myself, you know, if I failed at something or perceived failure. But part of my journey, I guess, of, of, you know, knowing myself better and finding out, you know, where my limitations were and also discovering what I wanted. A huge part of what I learned with that was also more self-compassion and probably also more compassion for others in that you know we're all just souls here on on a journey trying to do the best we can and that a byproduct of that is there's going to be an enormous amount of failure in our lives and 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 that's okay you know um I do still I do still regret you know that it that it didn't work out and as my my mum bless her and as you just said joe was that you know the one of the biggest losses about that that losing that first marriage it's the loss of the dream so it's mm. not only the reality of you know the, the family unit was broken you know lost my life partner the bigger i guess aspirational thing was that that dream that i'd had ever since being a very little girl of creating this this family and the loss of the dream was something which sort of had to be mourned completely separately it was something in its own right which which had been so yearned for and so cherished and then to actually let that go was was yes hugely heavy loss now now i think it's more about i don't yeah i, I just think it's about you know being for me, it's about, you know, trying to be compassionate with myself about where I'm at and being OK with where I'm at. You know, if it's not OK, if it doesn't feel OK, then it's actually that's OK, too. <laughs> you know, and it's it's, it's a journey. You know, it's, it's not my choice to be 
single, but I'm still, you know, quite an uncompromising soul. So, you know, whichever man at some point comes along is going to have to be someone that I actually choose to be with. And I, and I would always prefer to be on my own rather than sort of just be with someone. I suppose going back quickly as well to you talking about the loss of that dream, um, mm. you, you talked earlier about being in a relationship in your early 20s and becoming pregnant and realising mm. that, you know, to go through that pregnancy wouldn't be the right thing to do. So mm. that shows you how much value you placed in that dream of wanting that family. So when it didn't happen, I suppose I'm just realising that for you, Alice, that was extraordinarily big, wasn't it? It was, it was huge. It was huge because, you know, my mum left when I was four and, and bless her, my mum, she's you know, beautiful. She's had the most difficult journey. So I'm completely sort of okay. I understand why, but as children, we don't understand all, how all these adult things happen, you know. So for me, the separation of my parents basically left me feeling completely alone, I think. And, it's only now with the benefit of hindsight when I look at that dream a lot of that dream and all the energy that went into that dream was about filling the empty heart of that little girl yeah. you know whose whose parents had separated and you know and that's another a huge part of the journey post the divorce actually was healing that little girl who had had that hole created you know at the age of four but actually had just gone on through you know teenage years and adult life and created a family which was also going to fill that hole and it's not saying that the family the only purpose was to fill that hole but a huge service that it provided was to fill that gaping hole in the heart of the little girl Alice whose mum left when she was four so mm. a lot of my healing journey in the last couple of years has been about has been around healing that gap which was filled by the family and then was left obviously again once the family broke down yeah, that makes so much sense. That really does. And I know I keep saying it, but there'll be a lot of women who uh, will completely understand what you're saying when it comes mm. to some of the decisions you've had to make around divorce, especially if you're uh, a parent as well. So with all that in mind, and you may have already touched on this already, Alice, but with all that in mind, for women listening to this podcast today and who can really relate to your story, what wisdom would you like to share with them? What have you learned through all of this that you wish you would have known back then <laughs> um wow that's a big one uh what would I say I think the biggest thing the biggest things I suppose um is the the the, the big I guess the greatest skill I lacked going into my relationship which and you know a relationship has two sides it has two two people and we both have responsibilities for how we react within that relationship how we act within that relationship yeah. for me my major failing or lack of skill within that relationship was that I wasn't very good at actually um, speaking from my heart and that for me was a major downfall by the time you know the relationship was 14 15 years in was that I felt unheard but a, a, a part of that and taking responsibility from that was that quite often I wasn't speaking what was in my heart because I didn't have you know enough self-belief I didn't love myself enough I didn't have enough self-worth to actually value what was in my heart enough that I could share it 
and and speak my truth and that that to me was the crux and is the crux of both the success and the failure like the success now and and the failure of that relationship from my side was that yeah I just didn't I, I wasn't I wasn't brave enough to really say how I felt or I I was too worried about what someone would feel about how I felt or that I would speak and that I wouldn't be heard. Mm. But I feel that the greatest, the greatest lesson I, I feel, which probably I learned when my children arrived, but only later was this self-compassion because we, we're so good at being compassionate towards others, you know, and seeing their weaknesses and loving them in spite of them. But, I mean, I, I certainly was very hard on myself. Why wasn't I better? Why wasn't I doing this better? You know, why wasn't I good enough? Why wasn't that good enough? And actually, for me, the, a huge part of the journey has been recognising in others, but also most especially in myself, that I'm just a person who's just trying to do my best too. And, you know, in the sense of my marriage, my best wasn't good enough because it failed. You know, the marriage broke and I am now, you know, a single mother with three children, which was always what I never wanted to happen. But it's about, for me, it's about, you know, having compassion around that and saying, you know what, I did the best I could at the time with the information and skills I had available to me. And that's okay. It's okay. But also more than that, Alice, is the lessons that you've learned from it. You're talking like somebody who's reflected an awful lot on this do you know what I mean so that going Mm. forward your children won't remember the fact that your marriage didn't work going forward your children remember oh my goodness uh, my mum really has reflected on this and she changed an awful lot do you see what I mean Mm. yeah and you know and and that's the thing is that uh, I think failure is possibly the wrong word you know we label things as failures but you know the the greatest learnings of my life have come from times of adversity and to me you know yes that the marriage I guess it did fail it ended in divorce but what was it a it was was it actually a failure of the individuals within the marriage possibly because we didn't have the skills but but maybe that's okay and it leads on to the next thing and to me the failure or whatever it is that we want to call it that happens at that time, that's all okay. And I can forgive myself, actually, now I can, before I couldn't, I can, can I can forgive myself for decisions that I made, even decisions I made potentially in error with the benefit of hindsight. But for me, the way that I live has always been to say, did I make the best decision I could at the time with the information I had available to me? And that's how I frame, you know, my feelings around the baby that I didn't have when I was 21, you know, and obviously now being a mother, I, I think about that, you know, that that baby would be would have been a person, you know, a beautiful, beautiful person that didn't eventuate. And that that's my responsibility. But having said that, with the, the person that I was at the time and the information I had available to me and all the emotions I had around, you know, mothering and being terrified of being a single parent, with a newborn child whilst trying to finish university degree um I just couldn't I, I couldn't have done different at the time so no. and, I'm okay with that and yeah. also Alice there's um I think it's a Inca belief uh belief that the Incas had that if a soul doesn't 
fully incarnate so obviously you conceive mm. and then you carry for nine months and you give birth if that soul doesn't fully incarnate i think i think it's the incas believe that that soul will eventually incarnate perhaps into the soul of your next child yes it's interesting actually because i did read something somewhere about it was, it was in some drama i was watching or something or i read somewhere and it was a woman who blessed her had multiple miscarriages and there was a lady who was sort of providing support to this woman. And what she said was, she said, you know, sometimes there are souls that come to earth, but when they get here, they realize that they're not actually ready. And so they go again. Yes. And that, that's, that's, that, that actually is that soul's journey. And sometimes the soul's journey is not to come to earth and be here for 70 years. Sometimes that journey may be just a, you know, a glimmer in time. Absolutely. And that's, and that's what it is. Yeah. And, and that doesn't mean that um, we're relinquishing responsibility for that, because it sounds mm. like you've had an awful lot of thought about it and realisation, as any woman would. Um, mm. But it's also about seeing that bigger perspective as well. But something else you said, which I wanted to pick up on, too, was this whole idea of failure, because I was watching a, a documentary about the paratroopers um, quite yeah. recently, and one of the trainee paratroopers hadn't done very well. And he went, he was called to see his captain or commander, as they call it. And the commander said to him, you know, the paratroopers don't fail. Failure is not a word for the paratroopers, mm. but we learn lessons. So next yes. time it doesn't happen again. Absolutely. So, and I, that's, yeah, that's absolutely how I live. Um, very, very much so is that I, I actually don't have a problem with failing. For me, the word failure does exist. Uh, I can fail, but it's okay for me to fail my thing is, is that if if I screw up and something goes wrong or doesn't go the way I intended, it's for me to look at it and say, what can I learn from this and what can I do different next time? Yes. And in, in terms of relationships, definitely. I mean, my God, with, with you know, with the, the marriage not, not working out, that, you know, has been one of the, the things that's taken up a huge amount of my thinking in the last few years is, you know, when when another person comes along is how will I do differently and how will I do better to work at that relationship so that we do manage to keep it going? Exactly you know? that. Exactly that. I think, mm. you know, failure is great, um, mm. but let's try not to let it happen twice or three times or four times because then it's not failure. Yeah. Then, it, then it's just unconsciousness, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting because I found on um, on 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 facebook actually you know that lots of um different things we can feeds we can sign up to and there's one on there which is all about all about relationships and fascinatingly enough i signed up for it only after you know everything had fallen apart but what i what i was feeling at that time really strongly was that i need the skills to be able to carry out you know my continuing dream which is to have a lifelong partner and I need to be acquiring those skills now so that when I meet the man, whoever he is, wherever he is, that at least I'm further along the path of having acquired the skills that I need to commit to a successful long-term relationship. Mm. Okay, so just recapping your wisdom for other women, perhaps contemplating divorce or going through divorce or having been through divorce and might even still be beating themselves with a stick about it. Um, mm. In summary, what would, what would that wisdom be? be kind to yourself is the most important thing and be true to your heart and sometimes you know these heart decisions they are the most difficult decisions you're ever going to make 
I remember when when I had that conversation, you know, with, with my ex-husband about finally speaking what was in my heart, saying, you know, that I loved him dearly, but as a brother, what it felt like to me, it felt like jumping off a cliff into the dark without wings. Mm. And it was absolutely terrifying because I was letting go of all the solidity that I had in my life. But there was something deep inside me that knew that it was the right thing to do for me to speak my truth. Mm. And that whichever way it turned out, I mean, my, my greatest hope at that point was that he would, he and I would find a way to, to you know, to get reconnect and, and to move forward together. But either way, it would only work if I spoke my truth. And the outcome of that would either be that we separated or that we managed to move on stronger. But it, it all had to come from a point of truth and, and faith and faith that things would be better in the future and and things will be you know there were some days when I woke up and I just thought I'd actually just don't want to be here you know I wasn't suicidal but I just didn't want to wake up to what was going on again and still be dealing with it again but some somewhere and I see this in so many women there's this just just you know superhuman strength which just keeps us going and faith and knowledge that within ourselves we all have the capacity you know for intense joy and love and that it's it's actually there for all of us mm. um but sometimes we just have to you know really be brave just to get through day by day to get to the sunnier bits yeah no, that makes so much sense alice and i don't know if it's because i've known we're going to be chatting about this interview for a few days but i've been contemplating my first marriage actually in the divorce mm. i went through and i think every little bit of wisdom you've given is so so valid uh, for my own journey and I think Mm. uh, the extra bit I'd like to add which I've only really come to recognize recently is I actually wish I'd thought of him more I did follow my Mm. heart but I do wish I thought of him more I think I could have been more thoughtful but that like we were saying earlier that's not a failure because I was doing what I could only do at that time but in my marriage now uh, that's a priority for me yes in fact yes next time one of my big things next time like I said like with the garden was that we stopped tending it and I do now have this a very very strong feeling that I definitely wanting to put more in next time and to pay attention to pay attention to it because it is so important you know really nurture it and look after it not just with, you know, my partner, but also, you know, my relationships with my children is to put in as much effort as I can and be present, you know, be present for them. Yeah, perfectly said. Mm. Alice, thank you so much for sharing your story on your divorce. I think it's going to mean an awful lot to a lot of women that will listen to it. Uh, I absolutely know it will. Before you go, though, I've got three very quick questions I want to run through with you just so we can get to know you just that little bit better. Um, And I do this for everybody. So the first question is, which woman could be history, myth, legend, present day, but can't be a relative? Which woman inspires you the most? Oh, I always find that a difficult question. (laughs) I, I I don't find one woman. My inspiration comes... From all the snippets of bits I hear from, I guess, lots of different women. I haven't had, so I haven't had a sort of, you know, iconic woman that I've really felt a connection to specifically. 
but the women who inspire me often are just the ones who have the most, you know, I guess ordinary lives, but to me are just doing the most incredible things. On my journey through divorce, actually, I'm a member of a local a local group for single mums, and I hear the stories of these women who are just, you know, normal women by all accounts going through divorces and, you know, being single mums. And the things that they deal with and cope with and and get through, to me, are so incredibly inspiring, you know, and just the, the sharing of stories and the, the womanhood that comes from that, the connection that we get is massively inspiring well and do you know what i'm going to make a slight exception for you because i do say in that question about women that it can't be a relative but mm. i imagine your mum's going to be in the list somewhere if we do <laughs> our relatives because like you said flying out to australia for eight months with you and then saying you know i've no mm. worry about about you looking after children but who's looking after you that's pretty inspirational mm. isn't it especially with the background that you two have had together yeah, it's funny, actually, I'm tearing up now. <laughs> my mum is the most incredible woman for me, you know, and obviously I'm so grateful. We we didn't have, she left, you know, she left when I was four um, and we didn't have a strong relationship for many, many, many years, you know, and it wasn't literally until I started having my children, so my eldest is now 14, that our relationship fundamentally shifted and um, I find her just to be the most caring soul and unjudgmental you know she she's made her fair share of mistakes in life but she has learned from them she's just so gentle and compassionate and and loving and that's something which being brought up by my dad who was also a very gentle caring loving man but he was had this sort of masculine energy and I was raised with this masculine energy and it's taken me until now really to start really getting in tune with my feminine side but my mum is just, yeah, she has been the sort of the sweetness and the kindness and, and the love. And to have that present and available to me, um, especially through, you know, through the divorce has just been, you know, such an incredible gift. OK, well, I'm going to make an exception then and we're going to let your <laughs> mum be on that list. <laughs> OK, Thank you. Um, next question. Which book do you find that you gift the most to other people? Yes. Um, um, I, I don't know about everyone else, but I go through phases. Uh, my, my current phase is um, a book by David Hamilton, which is called I Heart Me. David Hamilton is a, is a scientist who's moved into sort of personal development. And this book was critical for me in, in learning to love myself. Uh, I went, I'd been on a course in Australia um, and I, I'd realised I was actually walking around for about four or five years realizing that one of the fundamental things I wanted to change about myself was that I did not love myself and I wanted to. And I'd gone on this weekend course. It was actually a leadership course, but they were saying, what's the one thing you want to change? And I, I knew this was the one thing I wanted to change. So anyway, we got this block of wood and um, we we're going to karate chop the wood. So I wrote on the, on the piece of wood on one side was, you know, I want to love myself. And then on the other side, I had to write all the things I would gain when I, when I started loving myself. And the fascinating thing to me was, was that, you know, people, we're in a group of about 12 people. People were going up one by one, you know, in front of the group, put this wooden block down and karate chop the block. And you had to say, you know, what it was you were going for and then karate chop. And I went up and I, I was in front of everybody and We'd been taught, you know, you just have to really believe it and go for it. And mine was, okay, I love myself. And I whacked the block. 
and my hand bounced off and it didn't break. And the most incredible realization came to me at that point was that it was fear because it had it had been such an intrinsic part of of me not loving myself that if I didn't have that as one of the core parts of my persona, who was I? Who was I going to be? And so part of me, the the inability to let go of this not loving myself was rooted in fear of who am I going to be if I do love myself? And I had to I had to realize that my hand had to bounce off for me to realize that. And then I was like, okay, yes. I am ready to go. And I did it again the second time. It did break. But it's so so interesting to me that it didn't break the first time. I was still holding on to not loving myself. So as a result, David's book, um, I Heart Me, he goes through his journey to self-love. And actually, I've, he, um, he, he does um, talks quite often. He speaks around, around yeah, the UK. Yeah, I've seen him a few times. He's an amazing guy. Mm, amazing guy. And really just yeah really beneficial for me I think if if that was the one thing I could one gift I could give to you know those most dear to me it would be that they truly do love themselves okay brilliant choice and final question is which song kind of sums up this whole journey for you this whole experience that we've been talking about today yeah so the song that that I choose is um it's called here comes the sun and people most people probably know the version uh, by the Beatles, but there's another version. I'm going to cry again, <laughs> which is by Nina Simone. And um, God, I love this song. It's it's just so clean, and it's this it's this voice of this old woman singing, telling you that the sun's coming and it's going to be all right. And throughout the entire journey the one thing that I, I absolutely clung on to was that no matter how sort of heartbreaking or desperate or terrible today may have been, was that the sun is coming and it is going to be all right. Mm. And, you know, I wasn't aware of that Nina Simone version until you told me and I've listened to it on YouTube and, you know, I really would um, suggest that anybody listening to this podcast now Googles it and listens to it on YouTube because her version is beautiful. Yes, it's just got the simplicity and the wisdom of this. It's this woman who has lived, you know. she's That woman had the most incredible life and she sings that song and to me it's the wisdom of all the women from all the years coming out, you know, giving me a huge hug. <laughs> yeah, and also this is really interesting because never before in the whole time I've been doing interviews for kind of 15, 20 years, have I ever done an introduction at the end, but I'm going to here. And the reason I'm going to, Alice, is because the whole philosophy of that song, Here Comes the Sun, is really about trust, isn't it, that good times are coming. Yes, um, yes. And this is the introduction I wrote for you earlier, but I didn't use. We just fell into the interview instead. Um, but the introduction really ties in with the the song choice that you've made so it says here alice we've worked together in the past and i know you've been through lots of life experiences that would make most women question what's holding them divorce being one which we're going to talk about today moving country from australia to the uk being another losing your dad to dementia we talked about the termination as well but the feeling i always get from you is that you know what it means to trust and to keep falling Mm. back into trust I know some of us say flippantly, I'm looked after or everything will be okay. But when you say it, there is depth there. 
It's almost as if you've experienced trying to keep control only to realise how futile that is. Over and over to the point of surrender, you have flexed your trust muscle. That was my introduction this morning that I never used. (laughs) Thank you. That's beautiful. I accept that. Thank you very much. But you do. You just, all the time, you know, we've had lots of conversation where things have been difficult for you. And you just say to me, do you know what, Joe? It's going to be okay. Here comes the sun. Yeah. And and yes. (laughs) Yeah, I've, I really, I strongly feel that. And also, that, you know, there's so much beauty in all of it, even in the pain. Just these, there are these just incredible moments of life and often nothing significant, you know, but in just something, there's this moment where something happens that really strikes a chord and it's just beautiful. Mm, well, you are so connected to that and mm. I'm so privileged that you shared your story with me today. Thank you, Alice. Oh, thank you, Joe. Absolute pleasure speaking with you. I'm Joe Wise, and you've been listening to Wise Women, the podcast. You can follow Wise Women on Instagram, Facebook, and the website www.wisewomen.org.uk. Remember, wise is spelt with a Y. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I look forward to you joining me next time for another Wise Women episode. Thank you.